void of space. It never ends. It never will. And yet, here you are, drifting through the nothing. Will you float? Or will you sink? To the place where the mind melts and the body dies. Below the surface of reality. Here, the only thing you know is you and the stories you carry. Welcome to the Cryopod Tapes. The Extraordinary Lineage of Ethan McKay Written by James G. Coulson And narrated by Justine Ghosty Ethan McKay leaned licitly on the service counter of the clam shack. With his elbows against the cool stainless surface and his chin resting heavily in his hands, he fixed his gaze on the ocean beyond the boardwalk. The dirty green waves broke there one after another, frothing against the shoreline like the jaws of some rabid animals. There was something simultaneously beautiful and violent about it. Something that spoke to the fundamental components of Ethan's character. It had occurred to him that the ocean was much like space, impossibly vast, complex, and home to untold wonders and horrors. The sound of clashing waves was like a watery voice trying to tell him something in a language he couldn't quite understand. Or rather, it was a hand offering a key to a door in a half-forgotten corner of his mind. Yet, no matter how much he extended his arm to take hold of that key, it kept moving farther away. Ethan had worked at the clam shack for almost two years now. Not an ideal job, to be sure, but at least it provided him with some income. Such employment on the East Coast was seasonal, however, and today was the last day of business before shutting down for the cold months ahead. Tomorrow, Ethan knew he would be hitting the streets to seek new job opportunities. Until then, his duty was to simply man the shack. There was little chance he would have many customers today. The peak season had ended, the waters of the Atlantic was now too chilly for swimming, and the sunny summer had given way to a gray autumn. Removing his clamshack visor, Ethan ran his hand through his messy dark hair. His eyes, a brownish green, not unlike the color of the ocean, turned to the greasy food laid out in the metal trays under the heating lamp beside him. Everything at the clamshack was cooked in oil. Fried clams, fried calamari, fish and chips, and hush puppies. Under its layers of golden brown batter, 
Each little piece of calamari seemed to be pointing at him accusingly. Since getting the job, he had felt an abiding sadness coupled with a deep sympathy for the creatures whose remains were to be fried up and served to hungry customers. In an hour when he closed the stand, he would be forced to throw away the leftover food in the trash. All of the clam and squid and cod were gettable casualties of humankind's nauseating fast food frenzy. An insatiable appetite of the masses, devouring all of the planet's consumable resources in its path. Letting it aside, Ethan returned his attention to the ocean in the distance. But before he could begin his usual ritual of staring at the water while letting his thoughts run free through the wilderness of his mind, a familiar face appeared at the service window of the clamshaft. The same face proceeded to place its mouth against the plane of the sliding glass beside the open window. It blew hard, filling up its cheeks, revealing a wiggly tongue, pink uvula, and a row of straight white teeth. Though slightly amused, Ethan shook his head in feigned disapproval. What's up, Brock? Ethan asked. Grab me a basket of the fishy goodness, Brock said after breaking the seal between his lips and the glass. Oh, and fries. Don't forget the fries. Then meet behind the shack. Brock was Ethan's best friend. His only friend, really. Shortly after he moved to the area, he met Brock at a house show where a handful of local punk bands were playing, and the two of them have been close ever since. A few years ago, Ethan's mother had moved them to Pennsylvania. He quickly discovered that, for him, residing in a landmark state was one of the most unbearable, soul-crushing experiences of his life. His job at the clam shack was decidingly proven a close second. So it hadn't taken him long to strike out on his own, ending up in New Jersey of all places. At 24, granted, he was a bit overdue to leave home. Besides, his mother hadn't been much of a mother. Because she had suffered from serious mental health disorders, she had been in and out of facilities for various treatments since Ethan was a small child. And when she had been home, she hadn't been very kind or motherly to him. She'd gone especially angry and unhinged whenever he attempted to broach the subject of his father. He merely wanted to know who his father was and what he was like. But he never got any answers for his trouble. Just a barrage of verbal abuse followed by weeks of silence and neglect. In this way, she made it quite easy for him to leave. Throwing a combination of fried food into a basket, not forgetting the fries, Ethan went back to see what his friend wanted. Brock took the food and promptly placed it atop of a grimy lid on a grease bin. He then produced a poorly rolled joint from somewhere on his person. I'd offer you some, Brock said, lighting the joint. But I know you're not a fan. Yeah, I'm messed up enough without drugs, thank you. You won't get any argument out of me on the subject. Fuck you, Ethan said without sincerity. Both laughed. But... Ethan's laugh was overly brief and half-hearted, and Brock took notice. What's wrong, man? Brock asked with some concern. You seem even more gloomy than usual. My day began with this. Ethan handed Brock a piece of paper he had folded into his pants pocket. What's this? Brock unfolded the paper. I'll sum it up and spare you the entire read. Callie left my place this morning while I was still asleep. And that note was on my nightstand when I woke up. 
Basically, she dumped me, saying I'm unmotivated to do anything with my life. I'm not affection enough, and I'm weird. Damn, Ethan. I'm sorry. You know what bothers me more than her leaving me? Ethan asked, tossing a fried clam to one of the dozen stray cats that lived under the boardwalk. The cat snatched up the morsel and happily pranced away. What? That I don't care. The sad truth is that I don't feel much of anything on the matter. Maybe it hasn't hit you yet. Brock suggested, inhaling a large drag from the joint. Nah. Ethan shook his head. I've never felt much of a connection to anything in this world. Including Callie. What about me? Brock nudged Ethan with his shoulder. You love me though, right? Shut up. They both laughed again, this time a full and genuine laugh. Brock popped a piece of calamari in his mouth and chewed contently. I don't know how you eat that shit. Ethan commented, a grossed-out expression crossing his face. Beats paying for food, Brock pointed out. Mm. And I'm sure the weed makes it taste a whole lot better than it actually is. With a casual farewell and a promise to hang out later, Brock made his exit. Ethan slipped back into the foul guts of the clam shack. Its floor sticky with sherry syrup from the soda fountain, its walls yellows with years of congealed oil splatter, and the unpleasant smell of fatty, edible death. Not only was it a lousy job in a town whose tourism was decreasing by the year, it was one of the last stops in the boardwalk. Located in that sad and stinking place where drunk people stumbled to the end of the night to puke their toxic guts out over the railing. Returning to the service window, Ethan looked out and saw two middle-aged women walking by, holding hands and warmly engaged in a conversation. They looked like a nice enough couple. There was no question that they truly loved one another. Ethan wished that he was capable of such a thing. Part of him envied their connection. He had always felt alone. Even with Callie. Even with Brock. And especially with his mother. Alone. Above in the late afternoon sky, the clouds looked like an overcrowded platter of upside-down nigiri sushi, with their white fluffy tops and their salmon bellies. Peeking out from the crowds was a full moon, seemingly unconcerned with the fact that it was still day. Even the ocean and the moon seemed to be in love with one another, the latter affecting the former's tides and keeping it company through the long nights. If the moon couldn't watch its ever-changing continents reflect on the ocean surface throughout its phases, it would never know its own image. Nature created such a marvelous relationship, and Ethan found himself invariably baffled by it. Ethan didn't quite know where he fit into nature. The only thing he felt a strong affinity toward were those that existed beneath the waves of the ocean and dwelled in the stars above. He had spent much of his young life fondly observing both, 
His heart overflowed with a longing he didn't fully understand. That he couldn't fully understand. With the stars beyond his reach, he often went to the water. To him, when he waded into the surf with the waves rolling in, he felt more at home than he did in his cramped rented apartment. In high school, Ethan was a champion swimmer. He had always been the fastest and he could stay underwater longer than any of his other teammates. And when not in the pool, he often walked the six blocks from his apartment to the ocean for a dip. This made him feel odd, out of place, like the mangrove riverous and the mud skipper fish and certain types of eels, he seemed to belong in both worlds, land and water. His mother always found his connection to the ocean disagreeable, as she regarded it with an intense hatred that Ethan could never quite understand. Scanning the beach beyond the boardwalk, he could see another couple sitting on a blanket and sharing a meal. Other than the couple, there was a late afternoon runner moving his way quickly across the wet sand near the water. Ethan watched as the runner became distracted by something bobbing toward the shore. Slowing his strides, he stopped to examine the curious object. Abandoning his post, Ethan exited the clam shack, walked across the boardwalk, and descended the wooden stairs to the beach. From where he stood, he observed the object as it was pushed by the waves onto the beach. An amorphous gelatinous sack with strands of seaweed wrapped around it. The mysterious thing moved as if some writing presence within wanted to tear through the cloudy membrane in which it was encased. Another sack appeared close by, and then another, and another, until they lined the beach. No sooner had the first wave of strange sacks stopped coming ashore, and then the earth shook, as if wrecking by a mighty quake. A loud, droning sound filled the air. The couple on the blanket shot to their feet, frantically looking around. Struggling to remain upright as the ground trembled beneath his feet, the runner standing over one of the objects seemed equally anxious. Ethan, drawn by something beyond the waves, was unfazed by the seismic activity and began walking toward the water. As he approached the foaming sand, he began shedding his clothes, shoes, socks, apron, shirt, pants, underwear, visor, all of it, until his pale, thin body was completely naked. He didn't even flinch when the cold ocean licked his bare feet, nor did he turn around when whatever monster contained in the sack burst forth and began ripping the runner apart. From the terrible screams coming from farther up the beach, the couple there was obviously in the process of meeting a similar fate. Poor bastards, Ethan thought. The salty smell filled his nostrils. Ethan pushed into the welcoming ocean. The water met his knees and then his waist. And when it had reached his shoulders... He had stopped to behold a colossal being. At once pestilent, 
ungodly as it emerged slowly from the murky brine in the distance. Weathery wings unfurred from its smooth, muscular back. The force of a single flap surely could have leveled a small structure. Several huge tentacles hung from its face, squirming and curling, squirming and curling. Otherworldly eyes possessed an orange glow, and they seemed to recognize something in Ethan when they settled on him. No longer able to touch the ocean floor, Ethan swam in the direction of the monstrous figure. This was a physical phenomenon in which Ethan was drawn to something greater and terrible and seemingly impossible. The very blood coursing through his veins sensed the relation, pumping so fiercely now that he could hear the rush of it in his ears. The water surged as Ethan was beginning to reach him. Before he knew it, he was grasped by its massive hands. There was no threat in the act, and Ethan didn't experience any fear. Instead, he surrendered himself to it. Ethan's presence in the giant thing's hands was equivalent to a grain of sand being lifted in a freight elevator. Normally, such an experience would make one feel puny and insignificant. Not this, though. Ethan could not explain it, but it felt right. It gave him meaning, and it vaguely revealed part of his identity. Focusing on the being, he could see countless starfish, octopuses, and crustaceans clinging reverently to its grayish-green skin. Once Ethan was face level with the ancient being, it transferred him from his hand to one of the tentacles, and wrapped in the slimy, powerful appendage, a peace came over him as if it was meant to happen. This beautiful, horrible thing was awakening something beautiful and horrible within Ethan. Like the unfortunate bival mollusks that he had served to customers at the clam shack, the hard shell around his heart was opening to expose the soft, precious meat within. Finally, he felt something overwhelmingly genuine. Peering down from the great height at which he was held by the being, Ethan could see countless creatures filling sacks floating toward the shore. He knew their contents were deadly. He knew they were ravenous. And he knew he was somehow part of their world. A good thing, too, since the world he had just departed was undoubtedly about to end. It figured that the goddamn apocalypse would begin in New Jersey. Ethan couldn't think of a more appropriate setting. For a moment, with the knowledge of the dreadful events imminent to the world he was leaving behind, Ethan's mind went to his mother, and Brock, and Callie. His mother had made loving her quite difficult, but he loved her nonetheless. Brock had been the only person to overlook Ethan's peculiarities, while authentically caring about his inner turmoil and ongoing existential crisis. Callie, for all her faults, had been the only romantic connection in which he had ever truly attempted to invest himself. Though he had failed in that relationship, he looked back on some of it fondly and wished Cowie no ill will whatsoever. 
though there were people and places that he would miss, granted, but not enough to give him more than a fleeting glance back at them. An odd sensation prompted Ethan to raise his hand to his neck just below his jawline. A slit had appeared there. He moved his hand to the other side where a similar slit awaited his touch, opening and closing as he breathed. Their function was immediately apparent to him. These were gills. He wondered what other changes awaited him. The being turned to move back into the deeps and began walking. Its strides caused sizable waves which reached all the way back to the boardwalk, destroying the clam shack and many other businesses. Step by step, the cold water met each part of them as the ocean floor sloped steadily downward. In the half-forgotten corner of his mind, the once-locked door flung open to show him the vast and terrifying blackness of space, punctuated by countless stars and endless worlds. It revealed an infinity of worlds and realities. It beckoned him. So too did the darkness. Choppy waters boil. Ethan had only one thought, as he and the horrible, magnificent being were being completely submerged. I'm going home. You have been listening to Cryopod Tapes. Today's story was The Extraordinary Lineage of Ethan McKay, written by James G. Carlson and performed by special guest Justine Ghosty. This episode was produced by Ted Huggins. The original music was also produced by Ted Huggins. Cryopod Tapes is always looking for original, captivating stories just like this one. If you have a short story and are interested in turning it into a full episode just like this one, then please send it to cryopodtapespodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the episode or the podcast as a whole, please leave a nice review. So thank you all again so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next tape.